The Russian invasion of Ukraine is on. And as the worst fighting in Europe since World War II rages, Vladimir Putin threatens the West with a not-so-subtle reference to nuclear war. I'm Paul Brandis in Washington. You're listening to West Wing Reports. It's Friday, February 25th. Russian military has begun a brutal assault on the people of Ukraine without provocation, without justification, without necessity. This is a premeditated attack. President Biden at the White House Thursday. Putin has been planning this for months, as we've been saying all along. He moved more than 175,000 troops, military equipment and positions along the Ukrainian border. He moved blood supplies into position. And build a field hospital, which uh, tells you all you need to know about his intentions all along. He rejected every good faith effort the United States and our allies and partners made to address our mutual security concerns through dialogue to avoid needless conflict and avert human suffering. For weeks, for weeks, we have been warning that this would happen. And now it's unfolding largely as we predicted. The president has made good on what he said he would do, squeeze the Russian economy through a variety of sanctions. But it's not just America. Biden emphasizes that U.S. allies in Europe and Asia are working together. Putin is the aggressor. Putin chose this war. And now he and his country will bear the consequences. Today, I'm authorizing additional strong sanctions and new limitations on what can be exported to Russia. This is going to impose severe cost on the Russian economy, both immediately and over time. We have purposefully designed these sanctions to maximize the long-term impact on Russia and to minimize the impact on the United States and our allies. I want to be clear, the United States is not doing this alone. For months, we've been building a coalition of partners representing well more than half the global economy. 27 members of the European Union, including France, Germany, Italy, as well as the United Kingdom, Canada, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and many others, to amplify the joint impact of our response. I just spoke with the G7 leaders this morning, and we're in full and total agreement. We will limit Russia's ability to do business in dollars, euros, pounds, and yen to be part of the global economy. We'll limit their ability to do that. We're going to stunt the ability to finance and grow the Russian military. We're going to impose major, and we're going to impair their ability to compete in high-tech 21st century economy. We've already seen the impact of our actions on Russia's currency and the ruble, which early today hit its weakest level ever, ever in history. The Russian stock market plunged today. The Russian government borrowing rates spiked by over 15 percent. In today's actions, we've now sanctioned Russian banks that together hold around $1 trillion in assets. 
We've cut off Russia's largest bank, a bank that holds more than one-third of Russia's banking assets by itself, cut it off from the U.S. financial system. And today, we're also blocking four more major banks. That means every asset they have in America will be frozen. Now, one thing Biden did not say publicly is that he is considering U.S. cyber attacks on Russia, perhaps designed to disrupt Moscow's ability to wage war. That ability thus far appears unimpeded, that raw sound recorded by one terrified Ukrainian family. The Russian attacks have been widespread, coming from the north, east, and south. No question this is a full-fledged invasion, brutal and indiscriminate, as war always is. The Russians are expecting heavy casualties of their own. They've brought, get this, mobile crematoriums with them so they can get rid of their own dead troops. Britain's defense minister calls this chilling and says the Russians are trying to hide troop deaths from the Russian people. Meantime, the invasion has sparked this question, just how far will Putin go? That question was put to Secretary General of NATO, Jan Stoltenberg. Do you have any information that shows that NATO allies face a direct threat from, from Russia at the moment? And would NATO reconsider military in intervention in Ukraine? Thank you. <clears throat> so NATO is the strongest alliance in history. And make no mistake, we will defend and protect every ally against any attack and every inch of NATO territory. And that's the reason also we have increased our presence in the eastern part of the alliance with thousands of more troops, ships and planes over the last weeks. To, to send a very clear message that an attack on one ally will trigger the response from the whole alliance. And we do so not to provoke a conflict, but to prevent the conflict. Of course, that's the million-dollar question, and most likely near, if not at the top of Putin's list, are the three tiny, vulnerable Baltic countries of Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. Stalin grabbed them in 1940, forced them into the Soviet Union. They broke away in 1991 after the Soviet collapse and are now NATO members, meaning the U.S. is obligated to defend them if attacked. I wrote a column this week for Dow Jones Market Watch about this. Here's what I said. Putin eyes the Baltics as a ravenous wolf might a newborn lamb. America and our NATO allies must further reinforce the Baltics immediately. We must understand that our 30-year holiday from history, which began with the Soviet collapse, is over. Defense spending must rise. Speaking of defense spending, during the Cold War, the U.S. spent on average about 7% of GDP on defense annually after 1991. Again, that's when the Soviet Union collapsed. Both George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton began cutting defense spending, and by the end of the Clinton era, fell as low as 2.9% of GDP. It's about that now, by the way, about 3%. But there are legitimate questions about U.S. naval readiness and the size of the fleet itself. Many of the warplanes our military flies are decades old. The B-52 bomber, for example, while upgraded with modern technology, is still an aircraft that 
first took to the skies during the Kennedy era six decades ago. We have underinvested in defense too long and in too many areas. It's also believed that the U.S. has no proven defense today against high-tech Russian weapons such as hypersonic missiles. China also has hypersonic weapons and both Moscow and Beijing have robust cyber weapons and have not been shy about using them. Both of these adversaries, China and Russia, also see space as a prime battleground, and a war against America could very well begin by blinding the satellites that are indispensable to our modern economy. In short, we are vulnerable. Let me end with this. For all his blundering, his invasion of Ukraine is a colossal and massively destabilizing move. Putin's pre-war calculations included this. He thinks Americans are divided and that this weakens us. On this one point, Putin is right. Americans are a badly divided people and it does indeed weaken us. He sees advantage in this. Perhaps we Americans should set aside our nasty partisan rancor and think about that in the dark days that surely lie ahead. I'd like to end each week with a quote, something you might find thoughtful. This week it's from George Washington, general and later our first president, of course. He said, quote, to be prepared for war is one of the most effective means of preserving peace. Think about it. That's all for this week. Here's my email, pbrandis at evergreenpodcasts.com. West Wing Reports is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to C-SPAN for the audio clips. Our producer, sound designer, and engineer, Noah Fouts. Executive producers, Michael DeAloya and Gerardo Orlando. I'm Paul Brandis in Washington. Thanks so much for listening. Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place. The sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.